Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. High Heels in Politics listeners will hear from one of Ohio's most controversial political figure, yet one of the most prolific legislators, whether as a township trustee, state legislator, or as a congresswoman. Our guest, Jean Schmidt from Claremont County, is currently an Ohio state legislator and is running to represent the people of Claremont County in this year's election. Schmidt is only the second Republican female to be elected to Congress without succeeding her husband and the first woman to represent Southern Ohio and the Cincinnati area. Jean began her elected political career in 1989. She was elected as a Miami Township trustee. How will you, the listeners, judge her? Is she a conflict creator or a solution seeker on divisive issues? My co-host today is Michelle Schneider. Michelle and I have been friends with Jean Schmidt for years. My relationship with Jean began when we were both delegates to the 1984 Republican National Convention. Let me now introduce you to Michelle Schneider. Hello, I'm Michelle Schneider. Jean and I first met when we were in a very small room with the Vice President of the United States, George H. Bush, and we've been friends ever since. We served in the Ohio House of Representatives for about four years together before she went to Congress. And I'm very pleased to be interviewing her with Marianne today. As a congressional member, Jean, from 2005 through 2013, you served on major committees. Relate to the listeners, what was your experience as a first-time congresswoman? Nobody knows what it's like to really get elected. And what happens when you first walk in to that Capitol House? Well, for most members, they get elected during a national election, and they have the opportunity to receive instructions on the nuances of Congress. Uh, Because it was a special election, I got sworn in and began to vote immediately. So I had to learn quickly on my feet. But it is a wonderful opportunity not only to serve the folks of your area, your state, and your nation, but to really get to understand the complexities of issues, not just nationally, but internationally. There were so many wonderful opportunities that I took hold of. One was we would have breakfast in the morning once a week. We'd have national figures that would speak at our breakfast. You would have people like former Justice uh, Anthony Scalia or Justice Thomas, Clarence Thomas, or folks that or to national reporters, really key people. And you just sat around a table. There were maybe 20 of us that anybody could go from the Republican side, but there were about 20 of us that took advantage. And I never, ever missed those breakfasts because that really allowed me to understand who America is and how we influence the world. What was your most rewarding experience as a congresswoman? I know you were on the Foreign Policy Committee. I think it was being able to go to the Middle East, to Iraq, and to 
Afghanistan and really get to meet the people and to understand their living conditions and how harsh women are treated, especially in Afghanistan. Uh, When you read biblical scripture about women being impoverished if they don't have a man to to support them, it is the same today in many parts of the Middle East. Allowing children to have an education, young women, it is forbidden in many areas of Afghanistan even today. My, my, the rewards that I saw were our American influence to help get these children educated, to empower women to be able to have a job. And my fear is, is as we have vacated Afghanistan, it will roll back to those biblical times. You were elected to Congress, but you didn't face the strong opposition from the Democrats. Your opposition came in primaries from Republicans, your own party. Why do you believe that was so? Two reasons. One, I'm a woman. When I ran for township trustee, it was an appointment that I didn't get. And the chair of the committee called me and said, look, I love you. You're the the most experienced, but you know a woman can't handle this job. And so I ran that fall and showed that I could. Women have a harder time in politics than men. The second is I was an outsider from the congressional district, the second congressional district that always had somebody from Hamilton County, and I was from Claremont County. Interesting, isn't it? Now, you were elected as a township trustee. You were involved in a major undertaking such as the Miami County Park District. Do you want to just talk about your role as a township trustee? I want to go to the park district because my dad, when I was a kid, went through the neighborhood and developed a little pocket park. And suddenly the pocket park left and a private entity bought it and built other things there. And he was so disheartened by it. So when I became a township trustee, I really wanted a park system for our community. And we got very, very lucky. We had 200 acres of ground donated. I worked with Mary Wolf, who replaced me as a township trustee. We engaged citizens to have a tax levy to support it. And it is probably the best park system in Claremont County. One of my hallmarks in my legacy are the parks in Miami Township. Okay, Jean, the draft of the U.S. Supreme Court. Remember, I said the draft ruling on Roe versus Wade. The question is, if the final decision is the same as the draft, do you believe that using the 14th Amendment for equal protection will have consequences on other aspects of Americans' rights? I taught the Constitution for six years. And as I told my students, the most important document in the Constitution is the 14th Amendment because it gives justices the ability to look at history and as it continues to grow and expand to make sure that everyone's rights are heard and protected. In 1973, we didn't have the advantage of ultrasound that showed that child truly was a child. Today, we know that at six weeks, it has a heartbeat. At 15 weeks, it has all all the components uh, of of a baby. We know that the gestation period continues, the viability continues to, that a five-month-old in the womb can perhaps make it outside the womb. So we know the viability of the child. I look at this as the justices understanding that 
1973, it was impossible to know all those things about that child. But I believe they're recognizing today that child has as much rights as the mother and every citizen in the United States. Okay, Jean, for our listeners, the 14th Amendment was passed in 1866. It was mainly passed to give African-Americans who, after the Civil War, were free as slaves. But let's go on. I interviewed Ohio Right to Life president, and he spoke highly of your work with the organization in the State House and in Congress. You're presently working on House Bill 616 to end abortion in Ohio. The bill is highly controversial. Some people say you lack empathy and humanity for women, while others say you are compassionate and a warrior for the unborn. How do you want to address who you are? First off, every mother deserves our love and our support. When a mother is facing a difficult pregnancy, we as a nation need to help her through that because with rape, the mother is the victim, but so is the child. And the wounds of a rape, of a violent act, are never going to end. It will always continue. Having an abortion, killing the child, is only going to add another layer. So we must move to make sure that that mother and that child receive our support, not just through the gestation of the pregnancy, but in her life. But you know what? I don't think people understand that I really do care about people. And it's not who they are or what they are or the color of their skin. I have dedicated my adult life in my private time to working with others. For over a decade, I have worked at City Gospel Mission as a volunteer, as a running coach uh, to help addicts uh, recover. And currently, there are three wonderful women that I continue to work with outside. They're, They're leading productive lives, and we have have a wonderful friendship. One of the reasons why I went back to the state legislature was to look at criminal justice issues and see if we need to change them. I got to know Tyra Patterson when Jim Petro asked me to look into her case. She was wrongfully convicted and spent 23 years in prison for a crime she didn't commit. And when she got out, it was my absolute pleasure and delight to be able to buy her her first steak and to buy her clothing. It was fabulous. Today, she is a such a great citizen of this great city. She is leading a productive life. She is what we want all women and all men in society to be. And now I'm working to get Tony Aponovich, who was wrongfully convicted of murder, out of prison. Unfortunately, the DNA that will prove his innocence cannot be used under current law. And so in addition to trying to find a way to get him released, I am also working on legislation that will correct that injustice because he has served over 30 years in prison. He needs to be out, and he needs to be out now. We serve together at the Ohio House of Representatives, and your position on the death penalty has changed. What made you change your position? You know, it's funny because I never thought it would change. You remember that really sparky statement I said on the House floor to keep it. But when I left Congress, the first person that I ever got to meet was Sister Helen Prejean. She was at Immaculate Mary's 
Immaculate Heart of Mary Church on Beachmont Avenue, went to hear her speak, and picked up a book by Jim Petro called False Justice. And I realized just how flawed our system is. And it thought about folks on death row. And then I met Joe D'Ambrosio that was on death row for 25 years for a crime that he didn't commit. We now have a friendship. And then I worked with Tyra Patterson. And I realized we do have people on death row and in prison that have not committed the crime. They say that for every 10 people that are on death row, two are probably innocent. That's a shocking statement. Uh, So one of the reasons why I wanted to go back to the state legislature was to work on criminal justice issues and to end the death penalty. Let them live their life in prison. I'm on the prison inspection committee. It is not a picnic. It is a very ugly place to live in for the rest of your life. I surely wouldn't want to live there one day. So let them live the rest of their life in prison. I could go on and on about why we need to end it, but I know we have a short period of time. Why do you think so much of your legislation is so controversial? Because it's a heavy lift. When you're looking at ending the death penalty, it invites critics. When you look at ending the murder of an unborn child through abortion, it invites critics. I have uh, the issue of DNA for Tony Aponovich will invite critics. We're looking at a bail issue right now. And while that's not my legislation, it's in a committee that I'm on. And believe me, it's inviting critics. I didn't come to do the easy things. I came to do the hard things. What is um, your proudest moment serving in the Ohio House of Representatives? This is your second time and your most meaningful legislation that you've passed. I think the proudest moment was the fact that my dad got to see me sworn in before he died. He was a wonderful man. He was the person that made me what I am. He gave me the grit and the guts, and my mother gave me the grace. And uh, he made me the fighter that I am. And I remember how hard it was for him to walk uh, through that garage, uh, how hard it was for him to get up those stairs to watch me get sworn in. Ohio is one of 32 states lacking laws bearing rapists from claiming child visitation and child custody. Would you support such a bill against rapists? Absolutely, and maybe we can do it as an amendment to 616. I know you have run over 162 full marathons on six continents. How do you stay motivated? Well, actually, not six continents, all 50 states. Oh, that's right. Yeah, all 50 states, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we live in the most wonderful nation in the world. The variety, the people, just the amenities. No other nation can compare with what the United States has to offer. What keeps me motivated The fact that running allows me to get rid of my frustrations, my anxiety, the difficulties in my life, it allows me to reflect and to honor our Lord. It's almost like meditation for you. It is meditation for me. I get up every morning and I run, and then I go to Mass and Communion after I run. Then I'm settled to fight another day for our great state. You once told a reporter that you would rather smell methanol then Chanel number five. Your wonderful father, Gus Hoffman, 
was inducted into the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. And you have a twin sister. Can you tell us about your family life? Well, first off, auto racing has been part of my family since uh, for almost 100 years. And it was that sport that showed me what teamwork is all about, what love is all about, and what just guts is to guts and glory. It unified our family. I'm so blessed to have a twin sister. I'm blessed that she lives next door to me. I'm blessed that she has my back and I have hers. I'm also blessed because she is uh, very engaged with my grandchildren. She was never able to have children. I I have a wonderful daughter, a fabulous son-in-law, and the best grandchildren in the entire country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're running for your second term as an Ohio legislator. How can people contact you to help with your campaign or make a donation? Well, I have a website, and you can actually donate on the website. It's www.schmidtforohio.com. You can also mail a check, Schmidt for Ohio, to Post Office Box 776, Milford, Ohio, 45150. So the website is www.schmidtforohio.com. Schmidt for Ohio, S-C-H-M-I-D-T-F-O-R-O-H-I-O.com. And the post office box is post office box 776, Milford, Ohio, 45176. Jean, thank you for letting us interview you. I think that people are really going to see the true Jean Schmidt here. There's so much misconception out there about what you really are. And you've really opened up today to allow us to see the true Gene Schmidt. And I guess I want to close with this question for the listeners. Is Gene Style a champion or is she a fighter? Thank you, Gene, from Mary Ann Christie. And thank you, Gene, from Michelle Schneider. Thank you, Enjoy a beautiful day. High Heels and Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. Subscribe to High Heels and Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.